Hi, I'm Dan Hornberger, the host of Breaking Chains, the podcast that focuses on the grassroots of disc golf, the amateurs, the local clubs, the individuals who make a difference, and those who have had their lives changed because of the sport. Marissa Kula has truly begun to make a name for herself in the women's amateur ranks. In just two short years, she has seen 10 career wins and a ratings improvement of over 50 points, certainly telling you she's taken the game seriously. However, Marissa has stepped aside from the game because, as a pediatric healthcare worker, she knows staying off the course can help curb the current pandemic. And that's where we begin this episode of Breaking Chains. Marissa, before we, we start talking about disc golf and how it's affected your life, talk about the, the, you know, the current situation that you're dealing with because you're a healthcare worker. Talk to the folks about you know, where you work and how your life has changed over the last few weeks. Well, I work at the Lehigh Valley Hospital Cedar Crest campus. Um, I work on the inpatient pediatrics unit. I do um, the intensive care unit and the general pediatric floor. So it's been pretty crazy in terms of how policies have been changed. Um, We are very low on personal protective equipment. So that's put a lot of stress um, on staff in general. Luckily, we have not seen very many cases uh, in pediatrics itself. It's more in the adult side of things, but we are still obviously taking precautions as anyone can have it. So it's just changed in terms of how we're handling situations and um, what kind of protective equipment we have on hand. So it's definitely a high stress situation for everyone. I can't imagine the stress on mothers-to-be, you know, giving birth right now. Because that must just add to the stress. A hundred percent. I actually, they just sent an email out to us today about how to handle, you know, mothers and babies who potentially might have been exposed. And it's just a very different realm of things. Um, as you know, you have to be kept in isolation and then everyone has to be tested. Um, it's very scary. And I, I feel very, um, you know, sad for anyone who has to deliver during this time just because, they may not have been exposed and then they come into the hospital to give birth and then they might get exposure just from doing that. But um, they don't really obviously have a choice. So, Right. Do you sense some optimism in the future or do you think it's, it's, we're going we're gonna to dive down a little bit more? Um, I think if people really listen to the guidelines that the CDC are putting out and you know, staying at home and washing their hands and not going outside for unnecessary purposes. I think that we can get over this hump. I don't feel like we're in the worst of what it's going to be yet, but I do feel that if we can decrease the amount of time we're in such a bad period, if we follow what we're being told to do. And and a personal level, how, how are you holding up? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, feeling a stress just like everyone else has just, again, mainly, mainly because of the personal protective equipment situation. We are supposed to be wearing special respirator masks, uh, in any rooms that of a patient that may have been exposed or is confirmed exposure. And currently we are very, very low on these supplies. So we pretty much get one for our entire shift, um, if they're available to use. 
because of just not having the amount for the entirety of the hospital. So it's very scary to think that uh, it's a potential soon that we just won't have any of that protection for us. So stressful in that situation, but um, holding up decently, like I said, you know, in my area, we haven't had too many uh, kids that have come in with exposure. So, you know, we're, we're getting through it. Well, I I saw today that the, the PDGA is saying that, you know, we should stay home, <clears throat> stay home and practice putting. But I have to tell you that before I did that, I went out for a solo round and I saw a bunch of folks out there playing like groups of four and groups of five. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those folks who think it's okay to go out and in large groups and play a few rounds this week? Um, so initially I wasn't taking the situation all that seriously um, when this first kind of started coming around and I, I too continued to go out and play and I was like, uh, you know, I'm only with two friends and, you know, we're not really near anyone. But as things started to get more serious and everything started shutting down, more important, more people started going out to the courses. And, you know, I decided for myself that I was going to take a break from disc golf and just stay home. Given the recent information that came out that disc golf baskets, the metal can be mediums for the virus. Plastic as your disc are mediums for the virus. Um, and just what you think might be is a small group gathering. You're going to end up being around a bunch of people that are at the course because they're not going to work and there's not much else to do. So I, I think, you know, I would say to everyone else as well that they should consider taking a break. And it's not necessarily a great situation. And, you know, you never want to feel like you're forced to stay inside. But Staying at home and putting really is the best thing right now um, if we want to get back to the disc golf courses anytime soon because it's it's not going to be – we're not going to be able to get back out of the courses until it's deemed that enough people do not have the virus. Right. Well, fingers crossed, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Let's get on to some brighter things here. Let's let's talk about you. Um, where'd you grow up and you know what was your childhood like? Do you have siblings? Um, I grew up in Allentown. And in terms of siblings, I do have uh, an older brother. He now currently lives in New Jersey. And I did play a lot of sports when I was younger. My uh, brother and I both played a lot of sports. In elementary school and middle school, I did basketball, softball, um, flag football. I was a dancer. Um, And then getting into high school, I uh, ran cross country and I did pole vaulting with track and field. So I was very active in my childhood. And did you go on to college? Uh, Yes. So I actually started college classes when I was in high school. Um, So I had some stuff done by the time that uh, I graduated um, and then went right into nursing school. Where where did you go for that? Um, I went to LTRIC for an associate's degree um, and then Chamberlain College of Nursing online for a bachelor's degree. Um, And then hopefully in the future, I'm trying to work towards getting into a nurse practitioner program. Um, so that's like my ultimate goal. Okay. So how did disc golf come into your life? So a couple of years ago, um, about four years ago, someone introduced me to this sport because they played and their family played. So I went out with them and they taught me what to do. This is when I was living in Jim Thorpe. Uh, Hickory Run was the course that I really learned to play at. I think that's Mike Salt's favorite course. Yes, it is. Um, Mike Salt actually lived down the street from me when I lived in Jim Thorpe. 
so, and I didn't, I didn't know him or, you know, anything about him at the time, but Hickory, Hickory Run was the closest to where I lived. So we just went and played there, which you can imagine it's not um, a very easy course, especially for a beginner. So the people that I was playing with, you know, they could throw 400 feet and I could barely get the disc to go 10 feet. So I, I just kind of <laughs> like hunkered down and I was like, I'm really going to learn how to do this. Um, so that's, that's how that kind of came into my life. I was just introduced, um, through other people who were in the sport already. Well, you obviously didn't get discouraged by that first outing. (laughs) No, (laughs) if anything, I think it fueled me even more to want to get better. So how did you get better just by hanging out with folks who were really good? Um, I think that's definitely played into it being around other people that were better than me. And then eventually when I, uh, moved back to Allentown, I, started making friends here that were in the sport and they were also again better than me so they really helped me you know pick out the little things in my form that were off and I also watched a lot of disc golf videos online on YouTube about different styles of putting uh, different ways to improve an x step Uh, and then I would spend time at the park by my house just throwing discs to uh, try and get better uh, and then I, uh, and then when I got my first uh, at home basket, that's when I really started to practice putting more and more. Now your non disc golf playing friends, did they did they think you were being odd in, in terms of playing disc golf? A lot of people don't know what it is still. Um, <laughs> so I'd be like, yeah, I'm going, I'm playing a disc golf tournament this weekend, or I'm just going to go play disc golf, and they're like, what is that? And I, I would, I would start with, well, have you been to a park? And they would be like, yes. And I'd be like, well, have you seen the metal baskets that are there hang out in some of the parks? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, that's, that's what disc golf is. So it's just a lot of people just don't, just don't know, you know, still. Yeah. In, in one of my interviews, the guy who lives in Texas said that uh, he went, <laughs> he went to a course one day and, and there was a family who actually had set up a barbecue yep. in a basket. Um, Marcy was Marcy Klinger, uh, actually told me that someone at, at South mountain, uh, has done that before too. Um, (laughs) so I find that kind of entertaining because, you know, I never would think looking at a basket to, you know, hang some meat on it and, you know, (laughs) try to cook on it. So how long have you been playing total? Um, this year will be four years for me. Okay. And I did not have this on the initial list of questions, but I didn't I didn't know that you participated in Am Worlds until I saw that photo. Oh, so yes. talk about that experience, because I, I played also and I'll tell you what, it was grueling. Um, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I thought I was a lot more prepared than I was, especially the fact that um, for the women, our very first round was in the afternoon. So, you know, you're already kind of stressed out and you're like, I just want to go. I just want to get it over with. It's my first day. Um, And we started at Coyote Hills, which to me was definitely the hardest of the courses that we had to play. It's a tough course. It it is. It's very tight lines and they are not short holes. So it was kind of discouraging um, after the first day uh, shooting, you know, what I would have deemed for myself kind of poorly. So it, 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 was a great experience overall for the entirety of the week. I had a really great time and it was a good experience. And, you know, now I know what to expect for, you know, the years to come, but uh, it was definitely very intimidating, you know, seeing some of the other women, you know, that were there and how they were playing. 
um, in terms of my own skills. Well, have you been back to Coyote Hill since? I have not. Uh, I don't know if I will be back there anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, so how about Orlando this summer, if they would have it? Were you planning on going down there for the Ram Worlds down there? Um, I was going to try to make it work, but then I really thought about it and decided I didn't really want to play a week's worth of disc golf in um, what's going to probably be around 100 degree weather. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as well as... Um, I had a couple of friends who live down there and they're not even going to be going. So I just decided uh, to most likely sit out of Van Worlds this year and hopefully next year I can, you know, get down there. Uh, were you going to be involved with the global event? Uh, I was signed up to play the global event and unfortunately that got moved. Yeah, that's a bummer. It is because I, I did play women's championship last year and just being around so many different women um, when normally you may see two or three at a local tournament, it just makes for, you know, a really great experience when you're surrounded by uh, so many women that are playing and uh, of different skill levels. It, it just makes for a really great time. This podcast goal is to continue to grow the sport through inspiration. If you or someone you know has a unique story and is willing to share, please send an email to either breakingchainsdg at gmail.com or rockfishproductions at gmail.com. If you'd like to help keep Breaking Chains running, consider making a contribution to the show. Simply go to the show's site, www.rockfishproductions.com, and click on the red button at the bottom of the page. Your contribution will help pay for the monthly costs of Buzzsprout, which is the show's platform, and a few other expenses, such as music licensing. Any help you can provide is greatly appreciated. This episode's guest is Marissa Kula. In the episode's second half, Marissa talks about her efforts to develop leagues in the Lehigh Valley, her travels to different courses all over the country, and her life and how disc golf has changed it. This is Breaking Chains. Before the virus hit, you were running doubles and putting leagues in the Lehigh Valley area. How did that start? And where, where were you holding these events? So after about uh, two years, I started really getting interested in wanting to run events just to bring more people out and involve more skill levels and things. And I figured the easiest thing to start with would be running doubles league just because it's such a low-key thing. Um, everyone does them every week. Uh, I really liked Where's Dam and knew that Where's Dam would bring out a lot more amateur players just because there's short holes. It's a quick round uh, to get in after work. So I talked to Jeff Cope um, because he had been running some things as well to help me with that. So that was my first thing was running that doubles down at Where's Dam, which I was planning on continuing this year. I don't know when we're going to be able to start that back up, but that will, that will continue this year at some point. And then the putting league, I, you know, was my kind of brainchild. I had seen a bunch of people posting on social media about running putting leagues and how um, much fun they were. And there really weren't that many around here. Jeff was running one over at hijinks, I believe. 
Uh, and then there's one, there was one, a dynamic uh, winter marksman league in Quakerstown that I knew about, but there uh, wasn't a whole lot. And I know there was a lot of interest in putting leagues. So uh, there's a bar by my house called Strange Brew that has a lot of room um, in the back side of it that has like some pool tables and things. So I spoke with the owner about if the possibility of running a putting league there, because they have a very large open stage area and I could just picture baskets up there. So we had talked and he said that that would be fine. So uh, that started this year uh, in January. And again, unfortunately it's on hold right now, but uh, I always, thought it was fun to go out and do. I didn't really participate in it because I just wanted to get a feel of running the, the event. And But I did kind of change it up. I did make the layout kind of my own. I didn't follow a marksman league thing. And I did not do a standard 15, 20, 25 foot putt. I kind of changed it up. I would be like, okay, turbo putt and, you know, different things like that. So I think the people who were coming out really enjoyed it. And darn, there's a bar there too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Disc golfers don't like to, you know, have a beer or anything like that. No, 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 no. Did you have a good turnout for those events? And the most I had at one time was 13. Uh, I oh, only, I only got two in uh, because it, I was running it once a month just with my work schedule. I couldn't really commit to like an every other week situation. So I was just running it once a month and wanted to see how much interest there was in it because I was thinking about potentially making it every other week. Um, but obviously, again, it's on it's on hold for now. But um, yeah, so the first week I had, th- I had 13 people show up. Oh, that's great. Now, let's just say there's no virus. What would your week look like in terms of disc golf? Let's see. What week is it? Well, the putting league would, would have been next week because it's on the last Tuesday of every month. So... On the days that I don't work, I generally try to get around in uh, in the afternoon. And now that it's daylight savings time, that's when all the doubles leagues start back up or tags. Uh, so I try to make it out to doubles if I can. I just really like being around, you know, everyone that I know and you know, just getting around at the end of the day is just nice. And then I actually have a basket in my house. So we'll just put at that throughout the week. <laughs> but generally, it's mostly my days off. What's the course you're most likely to play? It seems lately to be Camp Olympic. I've never played there. Where's that? Uh, it's in Emmaus. Okay. And they have recently done a lot of work to improve it there um, and ha- has gotten a lot better. And the holes are uh, very well maintained. They have added some new things. They've changed around the layouts of the baskets. So I go there with a couple people will play theirs generally. Um, Lehigh is very close to my house, but that, that I have the parkway. Yeah. Okay. Um, that I have to be in the mood to play since it's generally a long walk. (laughs) Now Camp Olympic, is it a campground or is it a community park? Uh, it used to be, uh, an actual campground. I I believe it was for boy scouts, um, or some type or, or the girl scouts. I'm not exactly sure, but, uh, it closed down. And then the township purchased the land and made it a community park. Marissa, over the years, have you seen a a rise in female participation in in the club? I really don't see many women coming out to things. You know, I've seen 
mostly Friday night doubles. I've seen the majority of women at, if there are any at all. That's at South Mountain, right? That's at South Mountain, yep. That's the time that I see the most women come out, if any. Uh, I see a lot of girls who will go uh, walk with their boyfriends um, while they're playing, but I haven't seen a whole lot of women actually playing. There's definitely been more overall coming out to tournaments, in my opinion. But in terms of just community disc golf, I really don't see very many women out. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot. What can be done? How do we get more women to play the game? Uh, I think it's a lot of just encouragement. I feel like it's very intimidating for a new girl going into the sport, mainly because it's male-dominated. So I think just support from other women is the most likely thing to get other women out. You know, even the, so some of the girls sometimes I see that are walking with their boyfriends is like, oh, why don't you, you know, why don't you go throw one? You know, just pop in some conversation in there. But it's... Why aren't the boyfriends saying something? I don't know. <laughs> I think they might like that the girls just uh, either carrying their bag or walking with them. Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think it's definitely, it's, it's definitely encouragement. I mean, once you get into it, it's it's more welcoming than people think it is. But I definitely think as a girl, seeing how many men are in the sport, it's it's very intimidating. But uh, once you find girls to play with, it's a, you know I play with I, Kyra is one of my good friends. I really enjoy playing with her, and uh, which I met you know I wouldn't have met Kyra if it weren't for disc golf. Um, and then Ange uh, Wilson here, I play with her a lot, which again I I wouldn't have met her if it weren't for disc golf. So. Um, it's really, I feel women are more likely to go out and play with other women, um, in certain circumstances than they are to go play with a whole group of guys. So, uh, I think it's just all support, you know, they want to feel supported. Yeah. Do you think that the PDGA could approach it a different way? Um, I, I think that, uh, offering more women's events during the year would definitely help with that given, you know, the only two women's events that I probably would have gone to this year would have been women's championship if I could have gotten out there and the women's global event, mainly because, you know, if I'm playing in a tournament here, there might be like two, two or three women that are playing, which is, it's fine. It's, it's much better than having no, no women at all. But those women's events really congregate the women. Mm -hmm. Like for the, I think the one at Sellersville that they're going to have, I think there's 50 women signed up and that's, that's amazing just to see that many people come, you know, women coming out to one tournament to play. It's just encouraging for other women to see how many other women are signed up and then they're like, okay, I'm going to go play. So um, I think just offering maybe more uh, women's events might encourage them to, you know, get involved. Marissa, what are your favorite events during the year? I think last year, my favorite event probably would have been the women's global event. That was one of my favorite tournaments, I think, ever that I played. Just the courses were a great time. Where was it held last year? Uh, it was in Virginia um, at the Block House. The players' party was a great time, too. They had a, a little fly mart set up with women's disc golf vendors and games. Like they have uh, on the, the Block House property. They have a sort of chip and putt disc golf course. So every hole is under 100 feet um, and you take a putter and you it, it's like a mini golf course and the holes all look like mini golf 
course holes. Like, oh, that's great. Have you had a chance to play other courses, a lot of courses outside the Lehigh Valley? Uh, I did a lot of traveling about two, I'd say it was two years ago. So uh, every time I went somewhere, I was looking for a new course to play. So I was, I went to a bunch of different places in the U.S. I, I wish I could remember the name of the course, but it was in Portland, Oregon, and the trees are immense there. And it was just one of the most beautiful sights that I ever saw. I, I was just, it was so beautiful, just throwing on those paths and everything, just seeing the trees are just so tall above you. I just loved that. And then New World Sports Complex in Florida also was one of my favorite courses that I've ever played. I was down there for vacation and my mom was with me and I was just looking at courses uh, in the area because we were in Jacksonville. It was a it was a professional course uh, and they have three different layouts there that you can play. So we played the the shorter layout um, and then I ended up going back there another time and played the professional layout. And let me just tell you, it is a, <laughs> <laughs> it is a whole nother ballpark playing, uh, trying to play the professional layout when you do not throw 400 feet. Is it on a ball golf course or is it just purely disc golf? There is ball golf. Um, it's, okay. it's mainly a ball golf course. And then the disc golf course was added into it. Probably the last one would be um, a pawpaw in West Virginia is a beautiful, beautiful course. It, it's on private property, but it is the only word I can use to describe it is magical. It is just a beautiful course. And the person who designed it really thought out where everything was going. And it's very picturesque um, when you're there. And I just, I played a team match play there last year and it was Definitely one of my favorite courses I've ever played. It's beautiful. Where is it in West Virginia? Uh, Paw Paw. Paw Paw. Okay. Yeah. That's the actual name of the town. That's the actual name of the, t- of the town. Okay. <laughs> I know nothing about West Virginia except West Virginia University, and that's it. It is literally in the middle of nowhere. You have, pretty much have no cell reception. So the whole weekend, that, that's all you're really doing is playing disc golf. You really can't talk to anyone. <laughs> that might be a good thing. It will exactly. You know, you can focus on on it. But uh, and you all, everyone just camps out on the property. But there's there's like nothing. There's I forget I forget what the town is. That's right before when you go in there. I feel like it, it was called Berkeley. But they have like one gas station with stuff in it, and then that, that was that's like your last stop before. <laughs> before get, going up the mountain to get to, you know, where you need to be. Marissa, how has disc golf changed your life? Uh, it's definitely had a very positive impact uh, on my life, as a lot of people will tell you. You know, personally, I've struggled with depression and anxiety, and I feel the sport really has given me something to look forward to uh, and always improve on. Uh, it's given me some form of consistency because I'm playing every week. Uh, and it's just something that I really enjoy. It makes me happy to just, you know, forget about things for a while, especially within the career that I have and just get out in nature for a couple hours with some friends. Yeah. You you probably do need a lot of de-stressing time. Yes. (laughs) Um, I, before all this was going on, I was pretty much signed up for a tournament just about every weekend. So I always know that that's coming up. That's going to be the next weekend um, since 
you know, I gained a, I gained a sponsorship this year, luckily. So they require a certain amount of tournaments that need to be played. So I know pretty much every single weekend I was going to be <laughs> going to be going out trying to play something. That, my friends, is the signal for the rapid fire round. To conclude each episode of Breaking Chains, I'll fire random questions at my guests. Some of the questions will be disc golf related, others not so much. Okay, Marissa, here we go. You arrive at the course and suddenly it begins to rain slightly and there are 35 mile per hour wind gusts. Do you play anyway or drive home? Go to the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you made your own option there. That's great. Okay. (laughs) What's the first disc you purchased? Oh, uh, a Roadrunner. Favorite cereal when you were a kid? Uh, I don't even eat cereal anymore. I don't know, probably Frosted Flakes. That's why I said when you were a kid. Probably Frosted Flakes. <laughs> if you could play 18 with any pro, male or female, who would it be? Brody Smith. I just want to see him throw one of those weird shots. And <laughs> Name of your first pet? Uh, Holly. Uh, she was a dog and Bimmer uh, was my cat. Have you ever screwed up the score on a scorecard? Yes. Uh, it's very intimidating. And that's why I triple count like everything now. Cause I, it's, it stresses me <laughs> out that I'm going to miscount. Favorite restaurant. Oh, Stone Row Pub and Eatery in Jim Thorpe. Um, I'm plant-based. I'm a vegan. So they have a vegan menu or I should say they have plant-based menu and then they have a regular menu. So you can go there with people that, that also eat meat and be able to eat with them. So favorite brand of sneakers, probably Reebok. One disc round. Which disc would you choose? The Warrant. Best course you ever played? Probably New World in Florida. Marissa, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being a guest on the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. I, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Sure. That wraps up this episode of Breaking Chains. A big thanks to Marissa Kula. You can find out more information on Marissa and all the previous guests on the show's website, www.rockfishproductions.com. Kevin McLeod wrote and performed the show's theme, Unwritten Return and Big Rock. The music at the break, Alexis, was written and performed by Luca Frolla. This podcast is copyrighted by Rockfish Productions, LLC. 